if you've got a reasonably advanced backend where you can integrate with a virtual assistant, there's no reason why you shouldn't be doing three quarters of your volume through that. I think longer term, there's really no reason to not pursue something that's more in the low single digits. Hello, and welcome back to the Deep Learning Podcast. Today, we're talking about a future where every single support interaction is automated. And this is a future where, depending on where you fall on the scale of like belief in technology being a force for good versus like a doomerist, you might feel is either a positive thing or a negative thing, a dystopian thing, or something that's actually the way the world should work. So I'm excited to talk about this today with you, Nicola. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about this as well. Yeah, should be fun. We're always talking about effective something here, either efficiency mm. in the contact center yep, or, yep. or effective altruism. And I think this is like a portmanteau. This is this is a the thing we're talking about today is inspired by a spin-off, I think, of effective altruists. And that's the effective accelerationism movement, EAC. Well, sure. you know, they'd be comfortable being called a spin-off, right? I think they stand in almost direct opposition to You're, yeah, yeah, a reaction to. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a good point. Good point. You're very fair. So you've heard of this before. How did you, how did you hear about it? Absolutely. Look, I think that especially if you're following the whole open AI drama, mm -hmm. I think that's where the whole like philosophical background sprung to the fore and you like almost feel this incredible need to declare like where you stand. Are you cautious about the future of humanity and you think that we should think things through? Or yeah. do you just think that technology is a force for good and that like just stepping on the gas is what you need to do to get like the best possible thing mm -hmm. uh, for humanity out of technology? And you may not be sure about all the details, but you like deeply in your heart believe that you're pushing towards a better future. I'm much, I'm like fully in that camp, but yeah. uh, I think many people working on this stuff are. For sure. And I think that's a great description of, of what it is, but just to make sure that, that where everybody's on the same page, basically effective accelerationists believe that progress, like human progress, is going to come from unrestricted technological advancement and that this will lead to basically the antidote for things that ail humans, climate change, hunger, poverty. Yeah. And so it, it's like this beacon of hope against that backdrop of the AI doomerism um, because a lot of technological progress these days comes in the form of artificial intelligence. So it makes perfect sense that this is the camp that you would fall in. And I think that's a, a reassuring thing because it, it means that this has some sort of purpose, that we're headed in a, in a positive direction yeah. in a way that's going to actually have a positive benefit on the world we live in. Yeah, look, I think when you just think about the pattern of work, right, and what it does to like doomerism in the sense you, you can split it into camps, right? One is singularities around the corner and vicious matrix like artificial intelligence is about to use the soul as batteries. While a part of me wants to be contrarian and say, look, I would be honored to be fuel for the further evolution of our intellect as a human species, I find that to be laughable, no matter how optimistic you are about the rate of technical progress, right? So putting that one to the side, like you really need to look at the pattern of work like throughout history, right? And the migrations of like people from like one form of labor to another. And yeah. if you just look at like industrialization, people were moving away from a more kind of rural agricultural based life 
in order to move into very cramped cities where initially it might not have been clear that it's an upgrade in terms of like life conditions, especially, I don't know, like early industrial era London or other places that industrialized quickly without knowing how to do it. Yeah, maybe some things weren't done well, pollution, et cetera, overpopulation. But in doing that, we had a talent density in there that further accelerated the development of those things. And equally, if I think to my family history, my grandfather left the mountains of Western Serbia post-World War II with three of his siblings leaving his younger brother in the ancestral homeland to take care of that household. And I think that that branch of the family at this point might be the most successful in that they've taken wow. over land from a lot of people who moved out and now with automation, they're probably outperforming someone three generations back by a factor of a thousand. And if they are pursuing the life of like producing food, they're doing it a lot better and it's organic food and it's like yep. really, really good stuff. So someone's still doing that. Those jobs are not going away. And I think that contact center, for instance, where we spend a lot of our time is no different, right? It's a workplace where it's just something's broken, right? Like the reason that our company's scaling as fast as it is, is that we just don't have the fundamentals, not we, like the industry does not have the fundamentals aligned right for the needs of humanity right now. Like people call in, they contact these brands, they have questions, they need help. And at the same time, these companies are paying minimum wage for a large number of people who need to provide that kind of help. And often they yeah. built materials and like self-serve tools where if you care to read, you might, but people choose not to, right? So there's a very simple way where technology, like robots of a different kind, the way that, you know, like a tractor, harvester and whatnot was sufficient to increase farmer productivity by 10,000 times. Similarly, I think that AI will do the same in the contact center and in many other areas. It will do the same for doctors. It will do the same for education. And in many places where we just do not have the resources of a carbon nature, just to be provocative, that can do the same work, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that you talk about the type of labor that is the contact center, because you think about what makes that job hard. And then on the other side, you think about what makes that job the value of basically minimum wage labor to a business. And it, they don't drive together. So for example, the flow of information that's required in order to give a customer an extremely ideal, personalized, like the shortest line to the answer kind of experience isn't at the fingertips of most call center agents. The order is tall and yet yep. the pay is low. And so just to tie this back to effective out accelerationism, there is a corner of the world that believes that the future is 100% automated. And I would classify those people as accelerationists. And, and maybe they're right. I think that's a far off future. I think also the way that technology is being built right now, we see a lot of people in our space, in the conversational AI space, building things that show like a hand in hand machine and human hybrid model where you've got strong agent assist tools, you've got really strong handoff or handover process. And the agents are still left in a position where they are stronger than AI is today. They have access to this information. They know how to orchestrate it. Um, they can link systems that right now, not all um, automated solutions can. That said, that's probably not going to last forever. There's going to be a time where AI is way, way, way more competent than a current call center agent. So maybe that world will be, and rightfully so, 100% automated. I do want to state for the record, 
as a marketing leader here, this is not what PolyAI believes. This is not why we build what we do. We do believe that there's ex- tremendous value right now in having agents solve more valuable problems for their businesses. We are, our contention is that we need to elevate them above the mundane, like easy problem solving that our assistants can handle 100%. But anyway, let, let's get back to the point, which is, what do you think about 100% automated future for support? Is this deeply dystopian or is it ideal? It would be ideal if we had every single escalation path figured out, right? Then there are things that comes back to the human is an interface, a carrier pigeon between two systems that are currently not integrated to work together. So that answer is obvious, right? Or obvious or not, just accessible to technology, right? So there is one piece, if we just completely agree with what you said about the short-term pragmatic view, right? But longer term is if you have full-on RPA and computer vision to have an automated agent that uses the same sources of information as a human and think like one or two more jumps uh, towards AGI, you might be able to just literally simulate that human. And that may be advantageous both in terms of like supply, cost, and maybe it'll be faster, right? Like where a human needs to read something and no matter how fast you read, it takes time. And AI will do this, right? So longer term, we can take this far, like really far. And I think the bottleneck will be just like, what are the edge cases? What's actually happening? And it's also about what do you want to provide? I think that an overly perfect, overly confident AI may not be like the best thing to interface with us because we're not an AI, right? We won't operate the same lengths and we might not be willing to trust. We might explanations and steps of reasoning towards how the AI reached that answer. So unless we're willing to trust blindly, we'll probably find it to be a more premium experience or at least a more thoughtful branded experience to still speak to a human, right? Yeah. Um, and it'll be a luxury good, right? I think there are many industries where technology took something further out, got to an objectively superior product, and then just like the fact that we do live in many ways in a world of overabundance, it still got us to appreciate the way that things were done in the olden days and people still obsess over, if you walk into anthropology, you can buy like 300 different scented candles, right? I think like Rolex makes 2 million watches mm-hmm. a year. And every single battery-based psycho is better than, than a Rolex in terms of keeping time. Right? Yeah. Yet people dish out a lot of money on luxury watch brands just because they know that a human put in time and effort to maybe even handcraft the thing rather than just see it come off. Totally. But then I think there the distinction is almost like the story behind the Rolex watch is part of what you're buying into. There's this famous Thomas Edison quote, which is, we will make electricity so cheap that only the rich will burn candles. And you think about the experience of burning a candle versus switching on a light. Um, Lumens, completely different. One is clearly more efficient. One clearly has fewer off gases, less smoke, less carbon dioxide issues. Still, the the experience of, of lighting a candle is special. The experience of talking to a human being on the phone is special. And so I I do wonder if we're introducing a a, a class issue where it's basically only these high-end consumer products or these high-touch, high-value experiences like a hotel, like a five-star hotel, which Mm -hmm. can't get a five-star designation uh, with an automated voice solution. Um, But you only have real people answering the phones in these very high-end spheres. And what does that say? What's that? In the end, it's a luxury good, right? It may not even have higher utility, right? Because a human doing something may be far more inefficient than a machine that can do it in an instant. Yeah. So 
I think like TBD, it will definitely be a mix of both, both ways, both in that will bring automation to places to make them better, but also keep like human, the human touch in many places. But I think that'll be a choice for the company and a point for distinguishing yourself in terms of your product offering. Now, if you just think about the 100% automation, pragmatic implications of that, um, we're not even close, right? And I think that you have a design choice to make, right? A friend of mine built a company around uh, greenhouses, fully automated greenhouses, right? That, um, that's a lot of work. The ways in which that thing fails, I think, are much more complicated than like one piece of equipment failing for highly mechanized human brigade doing that work, right? So if we go back to the example of like agriculture, I don't think we've fully automated. We've just made, we've gone like insane productivity gains for yeah people doing those jobs. And I think by and large, that's the right way to do it because it's like the natural way of evolving towards something. I can't really think of many places where, you know, we fully automated something, right? We used to have switchboards when calling people. And now I think we've created effectively self-serve tools around like finding people's contact details. Maybe it's like a Slack directory, maybe it's online, maybe it's a contact page where you find the number and then you call, right? So like technology evolves in unpredictable ways. And I think that some of the jobs will disappear. But I think the contact center at the end of the day for any product is a tool for dealing with edge cases, right? Automated requires productizing every single way that a conversation can go and getting to the end solution. And the nature of a lot of those jobs, especially the more highly paid ones, the more valuable ones, is that they're actually problem solvers. They're not just there to pick up the same call day in and day out, they're actually knowledge workers, highly skilled ones who are like both providing like a high touch service, but also specialized knowledge, right? You can think of many sales jobs, I think of like our sales teams and how they engage with prospects. And while you can put down a lot of knowledge on a piece of paper around what they need to know to do their job well, it's really how you put it into practice and adapt to the buyer that makes them like really good at doing it. So I don't really think they're automatable, not yet. Yeah. You just, you brought up like a really interesting point. I think farming is such a good analog for what we're talking about here. First of all, very fun side note, the World Health Organization just, I think last week, put out some note about how hobby farms, like people who basically like garden on their own land, are more net negative, are more carbon negative than farms and just put this out and pissed off, I think, a lot of gardeners. A lot of home hobby gardeners, they're like, what? This is not, this isn't a labor of love. We're not doing this to like mass produce produce. This is something that we do because we like our hands in the soil. But anyway, but this brings up, I think, the, the really interesting point about the contact center is it's ripe for automation on one hand because it's a source, it's, a, it's an area of business productivity. It's an area where you're looking at it as an, an operational thing that you can optimize the same way you could a farm or a field of grain. But then on the other hand, you have this experience, almost like your heirloom carrot, right? Like the thing that you really want to see just go from seed to something super delicious that winds up being in a Michelin star plate somewhere just by itself. This like beautiful carrot. I've seen this before. Um, But but yeah, it's these two worlds are not super compatible. So when you talk about like fully automating them, you have to think about both at the same time with the contact center, which is also part of the reason why I think we're so far off from a world that's 100% automated. For sure. I think we're more comfortable dealing with other humans, even if 
it means waiting for someone to find the answer. And you know, like you look at a lot of customer experiences and people reach someone and then that person puts them on hold until they're able to find the answer. And that kind of like goes on in circles while they're talking to other people, desperately trying to find a piece of information. And if an AI can do it faster, you're right. Like one part of the whole thing could be like surface that to the human and let them do something with it. But at that point, really, like, why would you, if you can have a really human-like voice assistant? I think TBD remains to be seen. I think that the economics of full automation work a lot better, but then I think we'll just have to see what the anthropological relationship this is. Yeah. And I think like on the darker side of this, like playing devil's advocate or playing the opposite of an accelerationist and being a doomer, fully automating things. Yes, it has a bunch of economic benefits, but it also benefits these businesses. It's much more AI automation. It's much more easily controlled as a labor force. It's much more easily, it's more flexible. You can update things, you can change with it a lot better than you can a, a workforce. So I wonder two things. One is I wonder if the businesses that we see now in the conversational AI space that have built toward this kind of hybrid motion where you can hand off to agents and you can, yeah, you can assist them in what they do and only automate a certain percentage of the calls. If this is by design, if this is a a choice that we believe that they've made, or if you believe that they've made, or if it's just a technological capability issue, they haven't been able to build voice assistants that are high quality and competent enough to automate more of the calls. So this is their hedge. So we'll just hand off at this point. What do you think? It's tough, right? Because we're not talking about an abstract theoretical problem. We're talking about people who, if you have really bad experience, has like a real implication on churn and their willingness to engage with you as a business, not just stay in that phone call. Yeah. So I think from that perspective, you won't find many brands who really want to push the automation to the point where you can't get out of that interaction. Yeah. But you know, speaking to an AI is not really something that's part of daily life for most people as of yet. It'll become, right? But then being stuck in loops and just like being frustrated, that happens to real humans as well. I I remember trying to get an eSIM from a UK telco because I foolishly bought my iPhone in America and didn't realize that SIM cards were deprecated in, in America a year before they were in the UK. And just trying to reach someone who could tell me when that upgrade to eSIMs for a UK telco would happen. Spent three months and then I just shifted to a different network. And they were like, just trying to keep me in the conversation and they were giving me 10 pound credits over and over again to get me to be a happier customer. Cause that's what the rule books are. Right? That's what they have. Sure. Yeah. Honestly, if I'd had the patience to do it, I could have probably profited on the whole thing. But it just shows you that even today, like in these systems, the rule book exists and the human, whether it's a human or an AI, like the disjoint customer experience means that you're passed from one agent to the other and they're behaving like bots even if they're not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And they're, they're the people who build the system need them to behave in that way because they can't leave everything open for their judgment, right? And uh, given that's the case, you don't have much to lose by being fully automated. But like by design, yeah, it's by design. I think that no one wants to frustrate users too much. But what we're seeing increasingly in our deployments is that I was just like looking through a few a few clients today and you see user behavior shift, silent callers, people who realize something's automated and yep. stop talking and wait to get handed off. We see them like just gradually declining as people have repeat experiences with something that actually works, right? We see people who 
just engage with these things more and give it a shot. People who ask the system, if it's automated, get a witty quick response about it, which kind of like factors in the way they ask the question. And at that point, they just continue the conversation the way they would with a human rather than the more classical, like rage quit, where they just scream for an operator um, until they get through to one. So I think like we're changing. So it's going to get a lot more interesting around what people are willing to do with a fully automated thing. So the vision of a contact center not having tens of thousands of people, that, that's coming very fast, right? The macroeconomics and the attitude to that work is there and the technology is there. So now it's just a matter of getting it done, right? Yeah. Will we be like completely humanless? I don't think so. I think that you'll basically be left with highly qualified support engineers and subject matter experts. They'll really be the, the programmers of this AI and the people who are like taking care of the wiring, maintenance, and support for so that this thing can run in perpetuating and better, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that sounds right. So I guess we'll leave it with this. What do you think the ideal balance is today? And then what do you think the ideal balance is, let's say, two, three years from now between that human interaction and like a, a voice assistant, an actual automated AI? Is there one? Look, I think that most contact centers today have issues with abandonment with people who are waiting too long and then not getting through. So I think for good measure, we need to increase the automation rate drastically, right? And I think that the right ratio in my mind is probably like a three to one already, mm -hmm. where there's no reason that if you've got a reasonably advanced backend where you can integrate with a virtual assistant, there's no reason why you shouldn't be doing three quarters of your volume through that. You don't have to go higher than that. And you already see a huge benefit to your MPS scores and the business at large. I think longer term, there's really no reason to not pursue something that's more in the low single digits of the current size of contact centers. But I don't think it goes below that, right? I don't think you'll be below three, four, 5% of the current contact centers. And I think that people there will have far better jobs and will, like, it'll be a different job description. Agree. I agree. Thanks, Nicola. This has been a super interesting one. 